Welcome to Westside Podcast. Each week, we'll take a relevant topic under the microscope to see what the Bible has to say about it. You will gain tools and information you need to support your faith walk and build Christ-centered families in Kansas City and beyond. I'm your host, Troy Kennedy. All right, well, hello, interwebs. Here we are once again, and uh, just going after yet another small topic. I actually, every time I prepare for one of these things, I think... uh, this one's going to go quickly. You know, it's, this is pretty, this is kind of a layup. It's an easy one. And as we prepared for this conversation today, the deeper I got into it, the more I realized, you know, I don't think any of these is really no. a layup. Um, and so here we are today to discuss on the West Side Podcast, what's the big deal about baptism? And I'm here with my brother, Randy Frazee. Good to see you again, my friend. As always, digging into some fun stuff and depending on his uh, experience and, and education and perspective far beyond my own. So um, so we, we talk in Christianity, there's no strain of Christianity that, that debates the importance of baptism. Yeah. doesn't matter where you go from. We, we view it as one of the, the two major sacraments. Some yeah. traditions would have more sacraments than that. They would even view marriage as a sacrament, right? But we're going to say it's one of the fundamental things that Jesus said, hey, go into all the world and make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So the question is then... Um, the disagreement is about a lot of methodology yep. about baptism. It's about um, what does it actually accomplish. do, yeah. what does it accomplish, and and what is our perspective on it. So we want to give you just a few different ideas and thoughts. And so I'm I'm assuming you were baptized at some point in time. And... Yeah, I was. And I'll tell you, uh, <laughs> I'll tell you that the um, that you know bapt- the two sacraments are, are really the cause of. Uh, what we know as denominationalism today, yeah. the differences and just the views uh, on the, the views the, on them yeah. exactly. Uh, well, here's the deal: I, uh, I uh, grew up in an unchurched home. Mm-hmm. Uh, my mom, um, I think, uh, had a friendship with a, a, a lady named Mrs. Herbert. I never knew her first name because mm-hmm. she was older. And uh, my mom sensed because they didn't go to church that I needed to be baptized. And right. so it wasn't an infant; it was infant baptism. But I was probably five years old. Went to a mm-hmm. Presbyterian church, which you're going to talk about their perspective right. on it, which right. is exactly what it was. And I remember having the water poured on my head, huh. and then we got done and went home and never went back to church again. And then uh, later, uh, I was invited to church by my uh, next door uh, neighbor two doors down mm-hmm. to their summer vacation Bible school. It was an independent yeah. Baptist church. VBS. And mm-hmm. uh, three days later, man, I received Jesus, uh, said a prayer, uh-huh. uh, received Jesus into my life. And then it was a couple weeks later uh, that they had baptisms. And uh, and I got I, I experienced what we're going to call believers' baptism, yeah. and that was uh, for me that was the real deal. That's when yeah. I w- made a decision as a as a as a uh, as a uh, teenager mm-hmm. that uh, Jesus is my Savior, and I want to go public for Him, and and yeah. I was all in. And so that's that, that's my story. Yeah. I'm assuming you've been baptized. I I was. If not, we can get it done today. <laughs> the baptismal is right out there. <laughs> right out um, there. Yeah. So for me, I was actually really young. Um, my mom, I'll never forget this. My mom was watching Billy Graham oh. on TV in our house, and I'm a little kid. I'm like six years old, and he he's preaching on hell. Hmm. And uh, it was like, I don't know, as much as a kid that age can have, I had some, a bunch of lights turn on for me. Wow. And I said, you know what? I think I need to get saved. And so I, I prayed with my mom. And then, um, and then I, uh, about a week or two later, got baptized at our little church. So I'm living in Pueblo. I, this is, I'm six. I remember this like it was yesterday. Wow. In Pueblo, Colorado, Park Hill Baptist Church, Pastor Bruce Melton, right? And my mom got me this like 
maroon little suit that I wore to church that so day. But it was, you know, the suit with shorts. Yep. And I was so embarrassed. You know, I hated the shorts, mm-hmm. right? But I go and he baptized me and I'll never forget that. It was really a powerful memory. And I believe that I was, I had made a real decision wow. of salvation and I had followed that in obedience. But like any good Baptist, a little further down the road, I got resaved a couple of times, you know? Um, I had the typical... The buses like, will wait. Exactly. It was just... And they would say that's an assurance of salvation, yeah. or maybe it was a, a, a time of repentance. There was some conviction of the Holy Spirit there, probably more or less around adolescence is when, when that happened for me. But uh, but I'll never forget Pastor Bruce Melton baptizing me in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, buried in the likeness of his death, raised, raised in the in likeness, likeness of his, his glorious resurrection. resurrection. Yeah. And uh, to this day, when I baptize people, that's how I talk about it. So for most people, it's it's a beautiful, memorable sort of, they build an altar in their lives. Because it's one thing to have this conversation and a prayer with someone to accept Christ as your Savior, if, if that's how it happens for you. Some people, it's more of a progressive thing. Mm-hmm. But it's quite another to publicly declare your faith yeah. through this thing that symbolizes so many beautiful things. Yeah, yeah. I mean, what, what, the, what are the, there's a number of things that baptism symbolizes. How would you, what do we say are the, like the most important ones? Uh, I think the first one is, uh, I, I, I like the idea that you're dying to the old life, you're raising to the mm-hmm. new life, a new creation. Yeah. Uh, I like the idea that you're disassociating yourself with the first Adam and you're associating right. yourself with the last Adam oh, is, 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 is another one. Um, so death to life mm-hmm. are, are, the, are the main ones that, right. that, that come to my mind. The cleansing of sin. Oh, right? yeah, yeah, sure. Yeah, it could be the cleansing yeah, of sin. Yeah, yeah, it's washing. the model of Jesus. Jesus himself was baptized in the Jordan River by, yeah. by John the Baptist. Um, a lot of Baptist talk here today because we, we have some of that similar history. I was also an independent Baptist. Right, because yeah. the Southern Baptists were too Baptist, yeah. or not enough, not yeah. Baptist enough. And that's I think, my roots I mean. as well. We've yeah. talked about that before. Yeah. So you always hear the phrase, "You either were Baptist, are Baptist, or one day will be a Baptist." <laughs> yeah. So, and uh, well, I- interestingly, and not, not we're not trying to advocate for the Baptists right here, but um, the word baptism is comes out of the Greek word baptizo, which mm-hmm. literally means to immerse someone in it water. It's a word they even use it to talk about a ship that has been sunk in the ocean. That's right. It is baptizo. So to drown, um, actually, you know, yeah, like the idea is like it, it's like you're going down. And right. I tell the people I baptize that uh, <laughs> you may not we, get back up. You may not get back up. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, but having said that, historically, um, over the last couple thousand years, the church or church, Christian churches have practiced infant baptism, which yeah. is a sprinkling or a crossing of of, mm-hmm. ba- of infants. And there's lots of reasons for that. We kind of walk through the different traditions, and we're going to give you our perspective. Obviously, we're telegraphing the fact that we believe or hold to the believer's baptism, mm-hmm. and we believe in immersion. That's what we practice here at Westside. Yeah. But we want to give you a little bit more of a rounded perspective on, one, what are the other ways that it's done, and two... Why did we land where we landed? That's exactly right. I think it'd be really healthy uh, for everybody um, to just kind of go through. Uh, I know we, we've got a lot to cover today, but just the different denominations mm-hmm. and the different uh, sects within Christianity. Uh, is that something you think you could yeah. maybe walk through? Yeah, absolutely. And then, uh, I'll do a little commentary, but not much because we got to get on to some right. other stuff. But this will be a good education right. for you. And uh, some of you, like I, again, was in, uh, I, I received baptism you know, in the Presbyterian Church, and it's exactly as you've stated it here, and then later in a Baptist, it was exactly as you stated. Right. And then 
a lot of people are coming from a Catholic background mm-hmm. at some point and just kind of learning what the difference right. is. And uh, I think it's a good education. Yeah. So a lot of traditions, they have a little bit of a different way they approach it, the way they interpret Scripture. Uh, our Catholic brothers and sisters, they think that it is done primarily to wash away original sin, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. That sense that you are a, a son or daughter of Adam and that you inherited a sin nature. And so they say, this is what breaks that for you, wow. which is... Whew, Kind of a kind of a heavy thing to think about yeah, for a, for an infant, like they haven't had a chance to do much sinning at right, that point. Right, right? it's gone before uh, they even yeah. started. <laughs> the Eastern Orthodox Church um, baptism is understand primarily as the rite by which a baby or an adult is joined to the church. In other words, you enter the body of Christ via baptism. Mm-hmm. Um, traditional Lutheran churches are very similar uh, to the Catholics. They believe it washes away original sin. Uh, Presbyterians believe it's the uh, means by which children are included in the covenant God has made with his people. You have old covenant and you have new covenant, mm-hmm. and uh, the baptism gets you included in the new covenant, right? Yeah, so like circumcision on the eighth day for right. the infant mm-hmm. in the uh, male, uh, you know, got them as, a, you know, was a sign of the covenant. So baptism of an infant right. is a sign that you're part of the church. Right. Yeah. So and have both of those things happening with infants and making yeah. them part of the community. So mm-hmm. um, other forms of Protestantism, baptism is reserved for people who have made a personal decision to believe in and follow Jesus. So some groups perform this by pouring water on a believer's head, but most carry it out by full immersion. They got mm-hmm. dipping you in, in the water. Um, mm-hmm. And there is a variety of understandings about that. And then an interesting one is uh, in the Church of Christ or the Christian the Christian denomination, mm-hmm. uh, Christian Church, they actually believe that um, baptism is salvific, mm-hmm. and so you're not actually saved until you've gone through that that process. Yeah, and you know that's the place where I came from mm-hmm. in uh, San Antonio. Now they moved away from that position and uh, took a uh, a more Baptist position, which you're going to be covering in a little bit mm-hmm. here as a, as an outward public testimony. Uh, but the origin of the of the the Church of Christ and the Christian Church, mm-hmm. you know, had a big issue. If you were to pray to receive Christ and then you were to drive to a lake to get baptized mm-hmm. and get killed in a car. Uh, right. You didn't make it, man. Right. Yeah, you had to get the the, right. the, the immersion by their denomination in order to be yeah. saved. Yeah, I dated a girl in college who uh, grew up in the uh, Church of Christ, the No Instruments Church of Christ. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And she was a great singer, so lucky for her. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, and I remember having a conversation with her dad. Mm-hmm. That probably didn't go well. But no. um, but I, I brought up the, uh, the thief on the cross. You know, well, what happened with that guy? Jesus said, today you'll be with me in paradise. He clearly didn't get baptized. Right. And that was, you know, I was less popular in the family yeah. after that. It was um, an anomaly. Yeah. <laughs> God can make an exception if he wants yeah. to, I guess. So, um, and then Baptists, right? The most prevalent understanding among um, those who practice adult baptism is that it is an outward testimony of an inward transformation. Yep. As you have accepted the gift of salvation and baptism is um, it's an act of obedience to follow Jesus. And like you said before, it's just a beautiful picture of so many different things that happen in the believer's life. Yeah, for me, uh, my book, What Happens After You Die, I did a, a, you know, trying to discover about, you know, what what is required of a person to receive eternal life. My mom was dying mm-hmm. of pancreatic cancer, and she asked me, was her simple faith in Christ enough? And I like, you know, there are a couple passages that always bothered me. Right. This is now not a theological argument. This is about my mother. And I just went and lined up all of the scriptures, 
particularly from the teachings of Jesus, mm-hmm. where the question was asked, what must I do to have eternal life? And there's quite a few of them. Anything that related to eternal life and laid them side by side. And, uh, and, and that's why I uh, feel very, very strongly about the position that we have here at yeah. Westside. That this is two, at Romans uh, 10, 9 and 10 really became kind of the, the when I laid them all together, mm-hmm. um, became the, the really the, 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 the best description of eternal life and salvation, which right. is an inward decision and an outward declaration, right. a public declaration. Heart, yeah. the, right? the mm-hmm. Christ is, or believe in your heart, the Christ is Lord, and confess with the mouth that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. That's exactly right. Yeah. So there's this internal in the heart, so it can't just be an outward act. There's an internal decision, mm-hmm. and then there's a public declaration. Right. And uh, I think that public declaration doesn't legalistically have to be baptism, mm-hmm. but I think the pattern of the New Testament right. shows that that's what exactly was. So I, I like when those two things right. come together from a biblical perspective. And if it was an authentic internal decision, why wouldn't it be public, right? Right. Like when mm-hmm. Jesus says, you know, if you're ashamed of me, right, I'll be ashamed of you before my Father. Yep. Maybe he's just saying you can't you can't disconnect that heart and that that public testimony. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I actually uh, know we're jumping way ahead here, but I I know that uh, in San Antonio, if someone wanted to get baptized privately, uh, I wouldn't do it. Uh-huh. I go no, not doing to do it. And now we could take some pictures and post it on social media, and I'd be fine with that. Well, I'm just a shy person. Okay, but we're going to post it on social media. So mm-hmm. I I if a person said uh, you know I just I just don't want anybody to know. That's I'm like, I'm, I'm struggling with it. Now, I've yeah. also known uh, people who got baptized uh, so that they could date the daughter of a Christian girl. <laughs> and I, I know a guy, I mean, uh, he's passed away now, and he was Jehovah Witness because mm-hmm. his family was, and he wanted to date this really pretty girl. And uh, so uh, he, I, I baptized him, yeah. and I thought it was a genuine conversion. And at the end, he goes like, oh, dude, I just her dad wouldn't let me date her unless I... And if you watch this episode of Seinfeld, you're a Seinfeld guy, yeah. right? George Costanza was converting to, Lord, uh, uh, you know, uh, what was it, uh, Latvian Orthodox, <laughs> you know, to date the girl, and he cheated on his com- his confirmation test. And so what we, so that's that's where you're you're doing the outward, yeah. but your heart is completely from a different right. motive. Right. Those two things have to line up. And I see in the pattern of the New Testament, which we'll cover here in a little bit, I just see this beautiful expression of baptism. And it is humiliating, to be honest with you, Yeah, you know, to get completely wet and drenched in front of people that are completely dry Mm -hmm. uh, and and make this public declaration. But there's so much beautiful imagery in it that uh, I I am just uh, I'm just passionate about this sacrament. Yeah. Well, so at the end of the day, the primary debate has been whether or not um, children should be baptized, children of believing parents should be baptized, mm-hmm. or do you believe in um, something that follows a, a conscious decision to follow Jesus? It could be in a mm-hmm. child, not an infant, but mm-hmm. a child as well as an adult. And so um, we've already telegraphed to you kind of really what we're thinking, but but we want to give this um, a kind of a good, well-rounded approach. So we're going to talk first about infant baptism, mm-hmm. covenanting with the community of God. There's yeah. And there's several different ways that it is uh, biblically approached there with the different denominations that we talked about. One is um, children and the covenant. So old covenant, new covenant, a sign of the covenant. Ne- next is um, household baptisms, which yep. you see referred to a few different times in the mm-hmm. New Testament, and then uh, baptism as a New Testament circumcision. Mm-hmm. So, um, <clears throat> so children were included in the Old Testament covenant, right? Um, via via Abraham, he says, "I will establish my covenant between me and you and your offspring, after you throughout their generations, for an everlasting covenant." 
to be God to you and to your offspring after you. So that is a kind of a key passage that people use. Yeah. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, you know, um, and I know we're going to look at some of the uh, downsides on this, but, you know, uh, uh, this there's just a tremendous number of, of people in uh, Christianity that hold to this idea of the symmetry between, you know, the infant being circumcised mm-hmm. and, and, and being a part of the, the covenant community of Israel and that the New Testament pattern of that is the the challenge I have is I just don't see I, I, I it's a wonderful an analogy mm-hmm. it's a wonderful uh you know symmetry of but I actually don't see it really taught in the right. scriptures very much right. I don't know if uh that you wanted me to debunk it you know a little bit but no I, do whatever you want yeah you know but I just don't think that I mean I bet there's a lot of really good thinking people that hold mm-hmm. to this view and practice it right. to this day in Kansas City uh pastors that I fellowship with all mm-hmm. the time that hold this particular view and I find it to be a bit a bit uh, a bit lacking in explicit uh, scriptural instruction right. which in hermeneutics or the interpretation of scripture you're looking for that repeated you know o- overt pattern right, that the new right. testament teaches and I see this as more of a of a of an analogy that they're drawing versus right. super duper clear repeatable teaching in the new testament right. well and so the old covenant was about um, God sort of not isolating. What am I? He's, it's a distinguishing Israel apart from mm-hmm. all the other people groups, right? So yep. the covenant was Israel is going to be they are my people, and it is the incubator through which I'm going to bring the Messiah. Mm-hmm. And so that's why, like all the the Levitical law and all those things are so unique to Israel. And and, and the covenant is like, yeah, here you are. This is going to mark your your boys as a part of this thing. Um, if you think about it, like, well, what about the girls? Right. Right in the Old Testament covenant. Well, where's their mark of the covenant? You yeah. know, um, and so I've always had a little bit of a yeah, uh, you yeah. Know, you know that that, that particular that. covenant doesn't translate, in my estimation, mm-hmm. you know, apple to apple, uh, you know, uh, in, in, into what it means to be in Christ. I think there is uh, there's a connection, but it's not. It is not exactly yeah. the same. And for the woman, you know, that's why it was important for her to be married because she mm-hmm. found that association through a, uh, a a member of the tribes of Israel that experienced circumcised right. circumcision. And it was an outward sign. So there's a lot of, I think, a beautiful analogy to it, but it doesn't match up with what I see in the pattern of the book of Acts. Yeah. Uh, or or the, the John the Baptist, the Jesus himself, and then on into the book of Acts. It was a totally mm-hmm. different radical, and I know we're, yeah. we're going to come to that. Um, well, so if we look at the New Testament, Jesus says in Mark, he says, Let the little children come to me, do not stop them, for it is such as these that the kingdom of God belongs. Truly I tell you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God as a little child will never enter it. And then he took them up in his arms, laid his hands on them, and blessed them. So there, and then what Peter says here in uh, the book of Acts, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, so that your sins may be forgiven, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is for you, for your children, and for all who are far away, everyone whom the Lord our God calls to him. So those are some of the New Testament. Uh, like I said, it feels like a little bit of a stretch, but the pointing towards this idea that that infants could have been baptized in yeah. the early church. And I, I, I think again, uh, uh, I, you know, I think it would be probably ideal to have someone that would have a different point of view than mm-hmm. us. But trying to be fair to this, again, uh, I think that you know we should let the little children come to Jesus 
and uh, and uh, I 100% believe that. I just don't see what this passage is overtly declaring about baptism. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think we should let little children come, but I don't think it, it, it dismisses the concept of baptism. And obviously this issue in Peter, repent and be baptized, mm-hmm. you know, it's really hard for an infant to do that. I know exactly. you're going to cover that yeah, later. Yeah, yeah. And when it says this promise is for you and for your children, it doesn't say for your infants. It says for your children. Mm-hmm. I have children that are in their 30s right now. Right. And so <laughs> it, I think it's meant that it's not just it's not just for you, but it's for your whole legacy. Right. And uh, and I think that uh, they're drawing the assumption that it is uh, that this is really related to infants. Right. When I think it's just it's it's just it's an ongoing generational thing. So well, and that kind of alludes to this next part where we talk about this idea of household baptism. So in the book of Acts, uh, the angel says, "I will give you a message by which you and your entire household will be saved." You look at Lydia in the New Testament that said she and her household were baptized. This is from Acts 16. Paul's jailer in Acts 16, believe on the Lord Jesus and you'll be saved, you and your household. And then later in that same chapter it says, and his entire family were baptized without delay. So a lot of people point to those even more strongly and say that, look, obviously if you got saved then, your household, it seems like they're saying, is covered. Yeah, you know, I I think this is the strongest of their arguments, to be honest uh-huh. with you. Uh, I still don't think it's as strong, but it's the strongest of their arguments. Now, household in the New Testament it wasn't just a nuclear family of a mom, dad, and their children. It included oftentimes the grandparents, you know, upwards uh-huh. to four generations maybe, and then it included uh, 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 workers, servants, and sometimes mm-hmm. aunts and uncles. So household was a really big, the oikos was a, right. a very big difference than our um, concept of a nuclear family in America, so it was much bigger. So, and I would say that it's. I think it's absolutely fine that if if you know, as we talk about the uh, the, the the jailer, you mm-hmm. know, his whole household, and if there was a four year old and the four year old wasn't against it, the idea they got baptized, I would be fine. I actually mm-hmm. w- wouldn't be opposed right. to that idea personally. Let them go with that simple faith into that experience. I wouldn't have stopped it. And I and uh, hmm. and and yet I. Uh, and, and I like something. I like something very beautiful about the communal sense. You know that uh, communities move together mm-hmm. uh, in the in other places in the world today, and particularly in the New Testament, the Jewish family. When 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 the father moved in that direction, you know the whole household would just move in that direction. And I doesn't think that I don't think that it meant that they didn't make their own volitional decision. But I love that sense of community movement where we're a little bit more individualistic in right. our mindset. Right. And I think that's why we might, in a blinded way, lean more toward right. this kind of perspective of baptism that we do have because we were brought up in an individualistic society that I'm separate mm-hmm. from my parents. I do like the beauty of the communal sense, mm-hmm. uh, but again, I still think the overwhelming, uh, overwhelming documentation in the scripture basically says a person must come to that personal decision uh, in their own life uh, for this to be right. a, a real conversion. Well, and it sounds like to me that they're saying that you're, the child is covered by the faith of their parents. That's, and so that's why they're, in, they're entering into salvation via their parents. Yeah. Um, and that's a, that's a tough one to support elsewhere yep. in the New Testament. Yeah, the concept um, the concept would it be is great strong, if it worked that way? Well, though, it'd be great, you know? man. I mean, you know, just baptize the kids and they can go off in any direction they want to go. But man, you got them covered. That would be really nice. But it does <laughs> not match. I think a whole household being baptized happened, and I think it would be cool if if a whole household here at Westside mm-hmm. got baptized. And, and some now some places say we're not going to let your four year old get baptized right now. Your three year old get baptized right, right now. They just don't understand. And uh, 
I, I, it's not like they're going to go to hell because they got baptized at three. Right. You know, it's not like it's it's it's, right. it's, it's going to be damnation for them. And I think there could be some wisdom in that. Let's let's hold off on your mm-hmm. three-year-old. At the same time, it's just water, and you know, right. it it is that, and it could be a sacred act. I'm not opposed to it, but I don't think it means that that three-year-old necessarily, right. or that infant, nece- I, I don't think I think that inf- that infant's going to have to come to terms with their own sin mm-hmm. and their own need for a savior repentance that 180 degree turn right. and so therefore while i think it's their strongest argument uh i don't think it's a very good one well <laughs> so we've talked a little bit about the idea of circumcision as as a as a sign of the covenant mm-hmm. in the old testament so and then baptism of an infant would be the sign of the covenant in the new testament we talked about um, the idea of the household coming under the faith of the parents and so the children included in that um, so there's a quick little summary of some of these yeah. things. There, there's church tradition. So uh, from at least the second century, infant baptism has been practiced by a majority of Christ- Christians yeah. throughout history. Um, there's one objection is the Bible contains no explicit reference to infant baptism. That's that's the thing we're trying to say. I here. underlined this in your notes. I go like Eureka, you know, yeah. I mean, that that is... Right. That's like a hop. It is interesting, though, that, I mean, really good-thinking people, the majority, you mm-hmm. said, have held to this particular view, even though there's not a pattern of it right. in the New Testament. Yeah. Uh, and uh, to me, that's a bit game over for me. Well, and there are some some strains or um, streams of Christianity that hold church tradition as authoritative yeah. as Scripture is. Sure. Sure. Now we would not be in that no. particular stream, but so if if that's the case, then yeah. the tradition being passed on to them as being so powerful and so authoritative, it makes sense why they would continue to hold hold that up. I think we need to stop there for a moment because that's where there's intellectual, um, you know, you know, in terms of what what is truth, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, so Westside Family Church is going to hold to the sixty six books mm-hmm. as the authoritative word of God, and there are other faith traditions, the Catholic Church being probably predominant, right. where they believe that when the Pope speaks ex cathedra, right. you know, not just a pat casual conversation, but when he goes official, right. it's as solid as the mm-hmm. Word of God. Uh, they also embrace the apocryphal books, those ones right. in between, and then church councils. And mm-hmm. uh, they believe that official church councils are as good as scriptures. And uh, we don't just, we don't believe that. So right. if you did believe that, you could probably come to a more solid position on infant baptism. Mm-hmm. But, uh, and I think that intellectually must be stated. So I'm glad you'd stated that. Yeah. So someone says, hey, you don't, I mean, we got all these councils and we see that as the word of God and, uh, and the development of the theology. And we just don't embrace that. Yeah, what is that? Uh, what do they call that? They just they did one in the '60s. It was a big shift in the Catholic Church, like Vatican II. Yeah, Vatican II. I yeah. forget. Yeah. So anyway, they have these big councils, and they're basically saying, "Here's here's the new authoritative interpretation or the authoritative statement on how we're going to do these things." Yeah, and not to get way off track, but you know, the, you know, we conclave. That's the word. Conclave. Yes. For, yeah. yeah. And, and and not to get completely like completely throw the baby out with the bathwater because we <laughs> to put too fine a point on it that, yeah right yeah. right yeah that, yeah I'm, I mean, that was really good <laughs> i am i meant to do that uh but uh the uh you know we rely on these early councils mm. 
think the Council of Chalcedon, mm -hmm. you know, that was responsible for declaring the 66 books as the Word right. of God and the close of the canon, they call it. Mm -hmm. So in some ways, we lean in on the declaration of the Council of Nicaea, right. the Apostles' Creed. Mm -hmm. In some ways, we're not completely, the, you know, the completely devoid right. of the development of doctrine and the development of, and even the development of our Bible through these, mm -hmm. uh, through these councils, but we would fall short in a uh, way short in calling those uh, relevant right. revelatory uh, at the at the at the level of scripture. Well, even just saying like there's there are orthodox traditions, and even those you know there's some wiggle room between well what what one group calls orthodoxy another group does not call orthodoxy. That's right. And so it's like, but we're not saying no. our our orthodoxy is uh, scripture. That's right. We lean on it a lot because there's a lot of wisdom from people who have come before us, but we're certainly not saying it's as authoritative as the actual 66 books. Yeah, and so then when we don't see the the dec the, the call to or the or the practice of infant baptism mm -hmm. from uh, from Matthew through Revelation, it gives us great great pause right. because of our point of view on authority. Yeah. Well, cool. So um, let's move on here. So believer's baptism, right? I'm, I feel a little disingenuous because we keep <laughs> leading it towards this, but this is kind of where we come out from a scriptural standpoint. Um, throughout the New Testament, salvation is offered to and baptism is commanded only if people can meet the condition of repentance, right? Yeah. So Jesus gives the Great Commission. He said, go into all the world and make disciples, baptizing them, mm -hmm. right? So who are you baptizing? You're baptizing the disciple. Mm -hmm. You're not baptizing someone who's not yet a disciple. Right. And uh, an infant certainly couldn't qualify necessarily as a disciple at that point. Um, so John the Baptist, it says, uh, people from the whole Judean countryside and all the people of Jerusalem were going out to him, to John, and were baptized by him in the river, confessing their sins. Um, the ones who were baptized were the ones who confessed their sins, even in John's baptism. And then Jesus comes to him and says in order to fulfill all righteousness, right, he as an adult makes a public profession in a way, right, to fulfill the righteousness, the pro prophecy of the Old Testament, and model that for us. Um, so John the Baptist and Jesus himself uh, says, go into all the world, make disciples, right? We just talked about that a little bit. Um, baptizes, baptism was intended to be a part of the process of making someone a disciple, Um any thoughts on that as we kind of unpack it? Yeah, I think that that uh, is where you get into the scriptures and it in the New Testament, which is what we are, New Testament covenant mm -hmm. believers, and it just gets super explicit. Mm -hmm. It just gets it. You know, it's not an analogy. It's not a, uh, a an anomaly. You know, right. you, you cited three households. There weren't. Ten, right. you cited all of them, right. you know, and uh, but here, just the scriptures are just really super explicit about mm -hmm. uh, baptism in connection to repentance. Right. So uh, in Peter, right from the book of Acts, chapter two, he goes out and he says, "Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, so that your sins may be forgiven, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit." Boy, we can get into the weeds there. Mm -hmm. For the promise is for you, for your children, and for all who are far away, everyone whom the Lord our God calls to Him. So. He just said, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus. So that's, he's just laying it out there. We see the example with uh, the Samaritans um, in Acts chapter 2. They believed Philip. Philip came and he preached to that people group. And as he preached the good news, they were baptized, both men and women. Mm -hmm. um, and then Acts chapter 8, the Ethiopian eunuch, right? He has he uh, been reading the book of Isaiah and he come, runs into Philip on the road and says, hey, 
what is this? Mean? How am I going to understand that? Philip explains it to him. He goes, oh, okay, I agree with that. And said, well, shouldn't I get baptized right now? Right? So, but in every sense, someone is taking a step in there internally, yeah. and then they're taking an external step there. Um, Romans chapter 6, the Apostle Paul writes this, Or don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. Um, all of these things, once again, it's hard to apply that to an infant. Yeah, it just, um, and you don't see the pattern of parents bringing their infants to mm-hmm. the apostles or to the church at Philippi or whatever. You just right. don't see that happening, which would be the passion of the mm-hmm. of the parents, just like it would be today if that was the pattern. You, you just don't see it. Right. And for me, one of the most powerful... Uh, here is from uh, Romans 6 again. For we know that our old self was crucified with him, that is Jesus, so that the body ruled by sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin. Um, So can we think of an infant's old self being crucified, uh, a slave to sin? I mean, you maybe could get there thinking about original sin in some way and that it cuts off original sin, but once again, the pattern is just uh, prevalent. I would right. say an interesting, um, an interesting uh, detour just for a second. We talked about mm-hmm. it before we started. Is why some churches uh, hold to an age of accountability, right? Uh, where they basically say, I think it's around twelve mm-hmm. in most cases, uh, which is commensurate with when a lot of traditional uh, churches do confirmations, like mm-hmm. the Lutheran Church, and the idea. Uh, again, there's not any real strong biblical evidence for it, but there's an interesting point of view on it. And the idea of age accountability is that uh, you're not held accountable eternally for your sins, as I understand it, mm-hmm. until you're at an age where you can be accountable for it or have knowledge of it. So, like, you know, if you died, right. and this is how you deal with uh, with children who die, mm-hmm. you know, maybe as infants or whatever. Before that, they have the capacity to understand Yeah, salvation. because we know yeah. biologic. and I'm not saying I embrace this because I think it's pretty weak from a biblical point of view, uh-huh. but I like the notion of it. Uh, and that is, a, you know, a, a kid who hasn't come to that place. We know that when when we hit puberty and we started biologically separating from our parents is when we also began to become acutely aware of our particular actions mm. and our particular offenses and our particular sin. And a lot of times, a, a church won't. Uh, some churches won't even allow you to to uh, be confirmed until you get to that stage yeah. of accountability. Or some churches will just really discourage uh, a child too young uh, for the very reason that they're not in a right. place. But I don't, I, don't, I don't really hold to that idea. Mm-hmm. And now, I don't know how to fully answer the question when someone super two years old dies without right. receiving Christ who couldn't confess their sin. The scriptures is not super duper clear. I'm just in that moment in time relying upon the goodness and the mm-hmm. character of God, uh, which leads leads me to a good and comforting place um, but uh, but I but I but I again I don't I would not keep a child from coming you know like mm-hmm. you did at five it was a very powerful experience for you I, I wouldn't keep it but I think that's one of the reasons why right. uh, people uh, uh, have this sort of age of accountability yeah. I think there's something to the, the, the idea that they should have some understanding so in other words like uh, several years ago, we had a big stage set up outside on our property, and we had a bunch of baptismals set up, and we had a lot of people scheduled, and they had a, people walk up to get baptized. And at the same time, there, you know, there's the momentum of the crowd, 
right? There's something compelling about seeing all these people. And so you, you have like some li really little kids yeah. who are like, oh, that looks like fun. Let's, I want to do it too. It's like, so at the same time, it's like, uh, are they really taking a step of obedience? Yeah. Or are they just wanting to do like what, what they, they saw their friend do? Yeah. And so, you know, you know, I don't, I'm not saying it cheapens it. I'm just saying um, it's not accomplishing what it's designed to accomplish in that case. I agree 100%. Um, so here, here is kind of where we're coming out here in, in summary. Um, baptism is an act of discipleship that can be entered into only by people old enough to be disciples, mm -hmm. right? Jesus said, make a disciple and then baptize them. So if they're, if they're old enough to make that conscious decision of wanting to follow him, then it makes sense for them to be baptized. Um, and this is pretty much where every baptism in the New Testament involves a person old enough to make that decision. And then the second piece is, if someone is considered a Christian um, by virtue of being born to Christian parents or in a Christian state, right? Like, uh, like say, the, uh, the Presbyterians or the Catholics say it cuts off original sin, right? Mm -hmm. Then um, the urgency of stepping out on your own to follow Jesus, to make some sort of radical declaration mm -hmm. or following or obedience is, it seems like that's pretty compromised. Yeah, I'm very, very compromised in, yeah. in my estimation. And there's just no, there's no, just no sense of that pattern mm -hmm. in the New Testament where somebody else, a parent, uh, could wash away your sins, you know, mm -hmm. and uh, through this infant baptism, of which you were not even cognizant of when you were a kid. Right. Now, I, I have a place for uh, what happens when you're a young, you're a parent and you have a kid, and we'll talk about that as we mm -hmm. get to the end, but um, I don't think it's, yeah. uh, I don't think it's washing away sins. And that's not to say that everyone who is infant baptized and who's following Jesus is passionless and you know, uh, cheapening the grace like via Dietrich Bonhoeffer. I'm not saying that, but it just seems like it would lend itself yeah. and, and observationally does lend itself to that kind of, um, well, I, I don't know, my, my parents did this thing for me, so I guess I'm in. And, and that's what we're saying. Yeah. We're not. We don't want someone listening to this to saying like, I can't believe they're disking, you know, my infant baptism because I, I feel really special. Mm -hmm. We're not really doing that. We're just we're just uh, saying that um, mm -hmm. that uh, I don't think that there's enough scriptural evidence from my point of view on the 66 books of the Bible to suggest that uh, your mom or dad or guardian mm -hmm. uh, chose without your volitional choice, your decision to get baptized, and somehow or another, the number one problem you have, right. which is original sin that's been transmitted to you through Adam, was eliminated. Mm -hmm. That seems, a, for me, just right. seems a bit far-fetched. <laughs> uh, and I say, too, we've had people here who come to Westside who were, like, for instance, were Lutheran, and they were, they were christened as a child. And they came here, and, and uh, they went to one of our, like, something we call Get Connected, and we talk about believer's baptism and all that, and um, they, they want to get involved, and they say, well, do I need to get baptized? And I'm like, well, yeah. I mean, yeah, it's a, it's a decision, a public profession of your faith yeah. in front of everyone, the whole world, and yeah. it's the picture of all the things that we talked about. And i got to say, I'm not, not, I'm not um, minimizing that. That's a hard thing to do. It is. For an adult who's been going to church their whole life and serving and involved, even in leadership, yeah. to come and say, okay, I'm going to go ahead and do this thing because, you know, you either, either I'm trusting you or you're making a case that it's compelling. And that takes a lot of humility. It does. And I, I want to say something else, having done this for a long time. And, um, and basically, it, it also becomes painful because it can appear as, uh, as a sort of disking 
their parents right. for making that decision. And I wouldn't let that be the case at all. Right. Uh, if, if, if I were baptized as a Catholic or a Lutheran, you know, infant baptism, uh, and, and I wanted to be baptized, I wouldn't hide that from my parents. I just want to say, right. listen, I am so grateful that you were so passionate mm-hmm. and you took everything you knew that would be to my benefit to have a relationship right. with God and what you were you were given and you did that for me and it laid a foundation for me and you raised mm-hmm. me in that and now I'm just remaking that decision for myself this time and letting you know that right. what you gave me I am embracing for myself right. and to me I think that honors the parents and so just from a practical yeah. point of view uh, sometimes parents are like what was it was what we did not good enough for you are you right. saying we're not Christians and we're not saying that at right. all no not at all and I would say too you know, the, the beauty of that dedication as a parent to bring a child and to say, we're going to raise up this child in the training and admonition of the Lord and we're to the best of our ability. And this, this, this is a mark of that dedication is a beautiful thing. And we do, uh, in churches I've been in, baby dedications in a variety of ways. And they're all profound and beautiful and important. Sometimes we do it in front of the entire church body on a, you know, in a Sunday service and the whole family gets up and the pastor and everybody prays for that child and the community prays around that child saying, hey, not just this family, not just these parents, but this whole church is going to be making a commitment to that child. Yeah, and, and Troy, I'm glad you brought that up. I wrote this down as, as we as we come close to the end of this as a point of practical application mm-hmm. is that I think that is a better idea. Uh, yeah. uh, would you use water? I, w- I, I, as a pastor, I've used oil mm-hmm. uh, before, you know, like olive oil, anointing and just, d- yeah. d- you know, did the, the did the cross on the baby, just to kind of keep a distinction between anointing and, and the dedication of the parents versus mm-hmm. the removal of sin of the little baby. Right. Uh, it's really more of the, the, the parents bringing their child before God and dedicating him, mm-hmm. kind of like Hannah did with Samuel in the Old Testament. And, uh, and I think that's a beautiful thing, and that uh, the community of believers saying we are committed to raising this child up to see and to love and to know God and that's our commitment I think that's a beautiful beautiful picture and uh, we're getting ready to do it on Mother's Day yes here, which is really really yeah. cool and on Easter coming up here too we're gonna yeah. have baptisms yeah. you talk about baby dedications. oh baby dedication yeah yeah, yeah. Um, but we like at Westside for part of our Easter celebration we're gonna be celebrating baptism in the services when we've had people who are scheduled come we have people who spontaneously respond in the moment and uh, we have a baptismal setup in our commons, and yep. just the last couple of weeks, I was honored enough to be out there a couple of times when people said, "Hey, you know, this is this is my time. I need to do this," and I'll walk them through it. And it's like this is this is an outward testimony of your inward transformation as you put your faith and trust in Jesus. And as they understand that and have agreed to that, then we baptize them, and it's a big celebration. You can hear it all over the building when someone gets baptized, which is really really cool. Because uh, I, you know, so you know, if you're a part of Westside or or, or you want to dial in and uh, and check this out, you know, something recently we've done is that we have the baptismal tank, you know, fired up, you know, yeah. in the lobby, right. commons area, every single Sunday mm-hmm. with the expectation that a person can t- can take this step. And if they made the inward decision years ago, mm-hmm. it's time to go public, then let's go ahead and, and, and get that done. Uh, or if you're ready to accept Christ, uh, go ahead and let's do your repentance and confession mm-hmm. uh, uh, right then and there and get baptized right at the same time. Right. And, uh, and, and I tell you, one of the reasons I like that is that we also have a very difficult time, even though we have the concept of believe in your heart, we have a really hard time finding the scriptural justification for the personal prayer, mm-hmm. repeat after me prayer. Um, right. I think it, the, the, the scriptural evidence is like Romans 10, where you believe in your heart. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, and I think that's kind of the personal decision. So right. I'm okay with it. But what I have discovered is that when when I led somebody in a prayer in a public setting, I don't think that they fully knew what was going on and a lot of times i feel like those people are sort of like a baby that has been born mm -hmm. uh, and or just left out on the roadside and and didn't have any sort of nurturing along the way and so uh, i like to really personally i just see a lot more traction when a person is like philip receives in his heart and boom goes down right you know i just, i like that i think it's more eventful uh it's more memorable even though i know that for some people salvation has been a, like in calvin's process. words has been a bit of a process but for most people there's going to be a definitive mm -hmm. moment in their life and jesus modeled it that is that when you in, engage in this experience of your own volition mm -hmm. and you recognize what's going on uh, this becomes a memorable experience right. which I one of the reasons we take pictures mm -hmm. you know is because we want you to continue to publicly declare it right. and we want you to set it on your bookshelf and so when people right. come in and says what's that you give testimony mm -hmm. to just like they did in the Old Testament with putting rocks up right. you know uh, yeah. give testimony that this is the day that I went public for Jesus yeah well, and just to say this to anybody who's listening to this or watching this on YouTube, um, we firmly believe that baptism is, is this beautiful picture of the cleansing of sin. It's a beautiful picture as a part of maybe a semblance of the covenant. It's, it's a picture of Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection. And it's the old man is dead, the new man. You are alive in Christ. And if you've never taken that step mm. to put your faith and your trust in the goodness of Jesus, the work of Jesus, and to turn away, to repent, to turn 180 degrees away from your own life, trusting in your good works and putting your trust in his good work, we would encourage you to just pray that prayer with me right now. So just just for a moment, just close mm. your eyes. God, we come before you, and mm. uh, whoever is listening to this, God, I pray that they take this step, that you can repeat after me, Jesus, I believe that you are Lord, mm. that you are the Son of God. I believe that I am a sinner in need of a Savior, and I'm putting my trust in you to save me from my own sins. Mm. I believe that you love me, and I believe that you are securing me in relationship with God. So I'm going to accept your free gift of salvation, knowing that I can never work for it. And I'm believing you for this today, that you are Lord and Savior, and that you are risen from the dead. And I accept your gift of salvation. Amen. Amen. And if you took that step, <laughs> the angels are throwing a party right they now. They are, and so are we. And if you don't have a church, uh, if you're listening to this in some other place that can baptize you, uh, come to Westside this Sunday. This Whatever Sunday. Sunday you're listening to it, the waters will be ready, and you can take that personal decision you just made and go public and fulfill the 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 uh, the, the scriptures desire for you yeah. uh, in your relationship with Jesus. We'd be overjoyed to serve you and to love you and invite you into this community if you don't have a church community. But in the meantime, um, this is a real privilege for Randy and I to get to share this stuff with you and hopefully not create more confusion mm -hmm. and hopefully not coming from a place of arrogance but of humility as our desire is to follow Jesus to the best of our ability yeah. and to show fidelity to his scriptures. And so
um, we would encourage anyone else who is also listening to go ahead and submit any questions or uh, thoughts that you might have on the various platforms that we're on. We do have a Q&A episode coming up in just a few weeks. And so we would love to hear from you. And that will inform the topics that we cover, not just in that Q&A episode, but in future seasons of the West Side Podcast. Yeah. So, Randy, thank you so much. Oh, man, this has been great. Yeah, I this appreciate has been you. Great. Yeah, God absolutely. bless you guys. And we'll talk to you next time. We hope the conversation has challenged you and perhaps sparked some new ideas. If you'd like some additional notes and helpful links, visit the episode page at westsidefamily.church slash podcast. And if you have questions, we'd love to hear them. Our last episode of the season, we'll devote an entire show to your questions. So you can also tell us what topics you'd like to hear and discuss in the future. Thank you for joining us today and God bless you.